0: Lord, God, thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you for this time that we get to study your word and, and dig into what you have to say. Lord, lead us and guide us and help us to, to follow after you and, and, and worship you and, and get the things out of our life that we don't need in our life, that that's troublesome, that's going to cause us to sin. Lord, I pray that you be with us, bless us, and lead us and guide us this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So this morning we're going to be reading through Genesis 35. You're recording, right? I'm going to mute myself. You're fine. I am recording. Desktop it is. Alright, so here we are. Nope. In Genesis 35. Somewhere. We're going to start in verse 1. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away your foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and has been with me in the way which I have gone, so that they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands, and the earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree, which was by Seshem. I want to give us a reminder, so in 35 verse 1 it says, Then God said to Jacob, this is, seems to be immediately after um, the killing of an entire city because of the defilement of Dinah and enslavement, and all that goes with it. And so here God says to him, after his sons kind of speak back with pride, should I, should he treat our sister like a harlot? This is their excuse for killing an entire city. Then God said to Jacob. So this happens very, very immediately afterwards. And here we finally see God speaking to Jacob. There's been all this time that Jacob could have been seeking God and asking God, and Jacob doesn't. And he's telling him to go back to Bethel. This was the original place where Jacob met God after fleeing from for his life from Esau. And so there, there's this idea that that God said when he was there, like, "I will make you prosperous, and I will bring you back to this land of your father." And Jacob hasn't been fully obedient yet to that. Jacob has been partially obedient. He left Laban, but he hadn't come all the way back to Bethel. He hadn't come all the way back to his father's household. He, he, he's headed in the right direction, but he stops too soon. And so this is partial obedience that, that has gotten him into trouble living here in, in the Seshem area where Dinah was defiled and where this entire city died. And because they had just, also it says in the last chapter, that they, they plundered the city. Some of these household gods that we're reading about in verse 2, these foreign gods, are possibly from the plunder, but... Probably not all of them, as you, you might remember that uh, Rachel had taken her f- father Laban's household gods and hid them under her, her seat. And so there, there's probably, very, there's strong evidence that they are worshipping these foreign gods, that they are fully uh, immersed in this culture because he's even saying change your clothes like, change your garments, that they're dressing like the locals, they're acting like the locals, they've got the false gods like the locals, and Jacob's putting a stop to it. Jacob's saying, no more. This this false way is, is not going well, and partially Jacob is to blame for not teaching them what God said, to allow these other gods into their lives, to allow them to start looking like the world around them. And and instead of saying, we're going to put give me all your false gods and we're going to put them into this bag and we'll just, maybe we'll melt them down later and make something interesting out of them or you know, whatever, he he didn't do that he got rid of them he buried them in a, in a underneath a, a tree in Seshem leaving what seems like this old identity behind um, because yeah they're probably, some of them are gold or silver some might be stone or wood, we don't know, but it's not that they have any intrinsic value Jacob's done he's getting rid of them and we don't you know he modern day we can throw stuff in the trash or you know we can destroy it and put it in a bag and send it away but they can't do that back then they, this is the best they can do for getting rid of it You can maybe throw it into a lake as we'll see some people do later on but but here they just bury it forget about it it's done it's like it's being buried and put to death and we're going to see a little bit of a change here in, in Jacob as he starts to take what what appears to be more spiritual leadership in his home, saying you can't dress like that, you can't you can't wear those pierced ears anymore you can't worship those gods we're getting rid of them as we go to Bethel and if you'll remember Bethel, it means the house of the Lord, so they're headed to the house of the Lord and they're getting rid of all this other junk that they've let into their, their land into their, their, their home, their tribe their family, and so, so shall we we need to be aware to get rid of the things as we come to the Lord, to worship Him, to follow Him, and and not to try to look like the people around us, not to try to worship what other people worship, and, and just get rid of it, however that is, whatever that means to you, whatever the Lord leads you to do. And in verse 5, And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, and he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because there appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. Now Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, which was uh, Isaac slash Jacob's mother's nurse, died and she was buried below Bethel under the terebinth tree. So the name of it is called Alon Bachuth, which, which means like the terebinth tree of weeping or terebinth of weeping. So there is sadness about this. Um, and it's interesting, so now that they're following the Lord, instead of um, the people from the surrounding area that saw that this tribe had destroyed an entire city following them and killing them before they get killed or, you know, out of fear... God put the, his fear upon them that they wouldn't attack or pursue Jacob for revenge, and so they finally made it home to, to Bethel, near where his father presides, and he builds another altar there. He built an altar there earlier from the stone that he had slept on. He builds another one. El Bethel is the ha- the ha- God, the House of God. Um, and so here we have the the death of Deborah. Recorded. We don't actually have Rebecca's death recorded in the scriptures. She doesn't come up again. She is probably deceased by this time. We don't know how Deborah came to live with um, Jacob Israel's family. Um, But presumably she's dead, otherwise, she'd be taking care of her, she'd be taking care of Rebecca interesting that she's not recorded dying here, but she's later recorded as being uh, in the tomb with the rest of the family. So so she's buried with the rest of the family. Um, But whereas Jacob fled for what was supposed to be a few days at the advice of his mother, he never, as far as we know, sees his mother again. Just interesting things. There we go. Verse 9, then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padam Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel also god said to him i am god almighty be fruitful and multiply a nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you and kings shall come from your body the land which i gave abraham and isaac i give to you and to your descendants after you i give this land then god went up from him in the place where he talked with him so jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him a pillar of stone he poured a drink offering on it and he poured oil on it and jacob called the name of the place where god spoke to him bethel so here's a, again, they're calling the place the, the this is the house of God. This is the house of God, and it's a, a re- recurring, repeating uh, idea. It's interesting, and he poured an oil uh, offering on top of the last pillar he set up uh, when he was fleeing Esau. And the oil uh, is kind of like the place where God and the heavenly realm and the earthly realm meet. And so this is where God has appeared to Jacob as some sort of physical form. Uh, is appearing to Jacob. And it, he also, I would contend that he appeared to him in verse 1 as well. And it's very interesting and very important that we see that God is moving and God is speaking. God shows up and is talking to these people in a very, like, physical form. And so there are many people that say, well, Jesus can't be God because God's Spirit, or Jesus can't be uh, God for all these other reasons because he he speaks to the Father and if he's speaking to himself because he's god and and they they make this like a foreign idea but here we see time and time again some sort of physical appearance of god shows up in the old testament god appeared to jacob again and then it says that and in verse 9 says that and then in verse 13 then god went up from him in the place where he talked with them. So there's this physical manifestation. And I'll also point out in verse 1, we'll go back up there, then God said to Jacob, so God speaking, arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make an altar there to God. Wait, so God says make an altar to God. So there's this kind of duality of, of speaking from this God character. God said to Jacob, go make an altar to God. He could have said, go make an altar to me, as he says in Exodus 20 when he's talking about building altars but he doesn't see that here he says god says to build an altar to god it's just interesting language and people argue with you that jesus is god and he's speaking to god so how can he be speaking to himself well we see it all the time in the old testament it's just people don't read their bibles they don't study the word and what what it has to say there's always this kind of duality conversation going on that people don't read don't realize don't don't focus on they excuse it away and so, as as um, as people are running into this God character in the Old Testament, we we have this verse in John 1.18 that says, "No one has seen God in any time." Well, this would make any any Jew, any Pharisee, any Sadducee go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! We saw God all the time in the Old Testament. He appeared to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob." But here in John 1.18, John is trying to be very clear, like no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. So if you haven't seen God, and it's Jesus, as we'll know from this first only begotten Son, is the one who's declaring it, then it must be Jesus who's appearing to all these people. Because we, we know that the Scriptures say that before Abraham, Jesus existed. And so every time you see God in the Old Testament, I would contend that it's Jesus that they see, a pre-incarnate version of the only begotten son. That's what John says, that's what we understand, it's very interesting, Um, so here we have someone on the earth walking around telling people that he's God. We see the same thing in the New Testament when we get to Jesus, just throwing that out there because Jesus is always under attack his deity and about the goings on and if they would just read their scriptures they would know that nothing is new that God is still operating in in a very similar fashion. So we come back to verse 16 Then they journeyed from Bethel and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath Rachel labored in childbirth and she had hard labor now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her do not fear you will have this son also and so it was as her soul was departing before she died that she called his name Ben-oni but his father called him Benjamin so Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath that is Bethlehem and Jacob set a pillar on her grave which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day a little commentary from Moses, who is writing all this down for us. 21. Then Israel journeyed and pitched his tent beyond the Tower of Eder. And it happened when Israel dwelt in that land that Reuben went and lay with Billa, his father's concubine. And Israel heard about it. So we have our second death in this uh, story, where Rachel dies, giving birth to her the twelfth so, son of Jacob, or Israel. And, uh, she called his name Ben-Oni before she died, but instead of him being called, uh, this means, like, uh, it's roughly translated as the Son of Sorrow. His father changes his name to the Son of the Right Hand, so his name is Benjamin. Um, and she's buried there, and a pillar set up on her grave for remembrance, like we were talking about earlier. It's just being remembered. Now... We have this, this one verse in 22. And always those little things that they, the writer, author, sneaks in the Holy Spirit, Moses, whoever you want to attribute to Holy Spirit, um, writes this thing. And it happened when Israel dwelt in that land that Reuben went and lay with Billah, his father's compion. And Israel heard about it. And then we're going to, like literally we're in the middle of a verse in 22. We'll We'll read some more about the sons, but we don't see any reaction. We don't see any any commentary. We don't get anything. We just get this one verse. And it's so strange. <laughs> Seemingly strange to those that, that read it. And and so I, I want to say two things. One, if you'll remember back in chapter 34, last week's chapter, we have here uh, verse 34, the Dinah incident. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah his daughter. Now his sons came where he, wherewith with his livestock in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they came. Verse 7, skipping a verse, it doesn't matter. And the sons of Jacob came in the, from the field when they heard it. And the men were grieved and very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in, Lot, in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter. A thing which ought not to be done. And so we have this idea, this actually very similar sentence structure. Uh, the same words in Hebrew here in verse 34. And Jacob heard of it and then the sons heard of it and even like this entire sentence in verse 7 could be said about the same thing with Reuben and Billah, that because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's wife his mother a thing that ought not to be done the sentence structure is very similar the idea is very similar and the same idea of defilement is carried out even it's what everyone is thinking um and it's written down in genesis 49 when um jacob is saying his last words to his sons and so he's saying this in verse three and four to his son reuben the one who laid with billah his his wife his concubine reuben you are my firstborn verse three uh verse sorry genesis 49 verse three and four reuben you're my firstborn my might and the beginning of my strength the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power unstable as water you shall not excel because you went up to your father's bed then you defiled it he went up to my couch so here we have what Jacob is really thinking about his son he defiled his bed he went and did something detestable in Israel just as in Genesis 34 with Billa his his daughter and I want to point out this this amazing like contrast like when the brothers hear about Dinah being defiled. They kill an entire city because of that. And they, they speak back to their father you know, with pride about doing it. And they feel justified. But when Reuben does something detestable, defiles his family, we don't see any response. We don't see anything going on. And it, it's so interesting that with our sins, our own personal sins or our family sin, how will we will cover up for our family? We won't do such drastic things, but when we see our sin or that sin on someone else, we're going to make a big deal about it. We're going to judge them, we're going to condemn them, we're going to want them to get revenge. We're going to we're going to act like uh, Levi and Simeon and want to kill the whole village through deceit and just we need to get revenge. It's, they hurt us. But when it's our family and our <laughs> Our, our sin we tend to put that away and make it less and less important oh it's not that bad it's 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 not worth killing anyone about we'll, we'll excuse it away and so I remember well the words in, in, of Jesus in Matthew 7 judge not that you not be judged for with what you for with what judgment you judge you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured back to you meaning like you know what's right and wrong And when you judge other people, you're going to get judged back for the same things. You you are setting the standard on how you need to respond and how you want other people to respond to you. Verse 3, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So we see that that Jesus, and this is just one of many verses, like Jesus says, hey, don't judge, don't overreact, don't uh, go hand out revenge or punishment or condemnation. That's the Lord's job. Think, (laughs) treat others as you want them to treat you is another thing that he says, like love them as yourself. How do you want people to judge you when you fail, when you mess up, when you sin?" treat treat others like that don't go kill a whole city don't go (laughs) enslave a people he says hey you said this was wrong and they were deserving of death and then when it happens in your own household hmm, no big deal we we get one verse and it's it's just the the author the writer is just putting it in there just to show you that like these israelites are not better people they're not more holy not Uh, good, not morally right, they're sinners too just like the pagans that are surrounding them there is no difference in moral fabric they are humans, they are fallen, they are sinners just like us, we don't have a perfect example in these people in the past to kind of live up to we've got Jesus, that's our perfect example we need to live up to because he is God in in the flesh who came to, to live a perfect life so that we don't have to because we can't. We are we're the same as these people. And so there's this one verse that people just kind of like ignore. But like it's kind of important that they don't do anything in response to Reuben or to Billa or Jacob. And and how much we talked about last week about like what was the appropriate response. What should have happened. And here we see this is what that should have happened. This is the appropriate response. And yeah, it's not good. It's bad. But we, we need... Something other than murder. We need something other than this this knee jerk reaction with these sins, with these, these things. And so we, we there should be communication. There should be talking. Like this is not good. Um, and then it, it needs to be reconciled. And so we see a much better reconciliation. The family staying together. They don't kill. Luckily, praise the Lord. Like, I don't know, luckily, but praise the Lord, they don't go kill Reuben or Billa for this this act of. Uh, this terrible, this terrible act, but there needs to be something more than nothing, and there needs to be something less than killing an entire city. Let the Lord lead and guide, and, 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 and we need to be treating everyone equal, and we need to be treating other people's sin as sin, and not passing over it and we're going to finish verse 22 to the end. Now the sons of Jacob were twelve. The sons of Leah were Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon, Levi, Judah, Ishtar, and Zebulun. The sons of Rachel were Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Billah. Rachel's maidservants, were Dan and Naphtali. And the sons of Zilpah, Leah's maidservant, were Gad and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Paddan Aram. It's interesting, the order here was Leah came first. She was technically the first wife, then Rachel then Zillah, then um, no, then Billa, then Zillah. So it's in order of of the wives, not in order of how the sons were born. Just interesting. Then Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre of Kirjath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had dwelt. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years. So Isaac breathed his last and died, and was gathered to his people, being old and full of days, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. So here's the third death for this chapter. Uh, Finally, Isaac dies at a good old age of 180 years old. This is like 60 years after he blessed his sons and caused all that issue. And and it's such a sweet picture to see uh, Esau and Jacob bearing their father. Whereas most people will pit Jacob and Esau against each other, that they hate each other, that that Jacob stole everything from Esau, and and they're really just two brothers living in the same land. We'll see next next week, next chapter that they they'll they're still living together at this point in time, and they're actually going to separate because their their F- flocks get so big that they have to just separate not because of any argument not because of anything other than then there's just not enough room for them in the land to support their flocks and so we see that these sons coming together just like when abraham died ishmael and isaac came back together and buried their father and and we want to like set up this you know them against us mentality but really like they're a family. They're they're coming and doing the honorable thing for their parents, and they're burying them, and they work together. They live in the same region, and they're not these these strict enemies when they're these these brothers. Later on, when their sons and sons and sons and children children will have, and they'll they'll be strict enemies then. But as of right now, they're they're a broken family that that lives together, works together, and is 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 honoring their parents as best they can. That's so why I love that that picture that they're not these these enemies, God doesn't hate Esau like some people will claim, and that like the Bible seems to say in some places that that God has blessed Esau, and we're gonna get a whole chapter about Esau next week and his descendants and and the care that God has for them, making them nations. And so there's this idea that people are against other people and no, God's for blessing all the nations, says Genesis 12. And We need to not put ourselves against other people like the sons did against this whole village in the last chapter. We We need to show forgiveness and mercy and kindness even when we've been hurt, even when bad things have happened and sin has come into the world. We don't need to Fight sin with more sin, repay evil for evil. We we need to live a different way, walk a different path, that offers forgiveness and mercy. Where the rest of the world says, you know, condemn him, crucify him, because that's our example that we get from Jesus. Lord God, I pray that you can help us to remember this: that our sins are just as bad, and we are just as fallen creatures as 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 they were in the Old Testament. We can see their folly, and Lord God, help us to not judge them for their folly. Help us to see their example and learn from it and live in a way that pleases you through faith. God, I pray that we could lay down our life as sacrificially as you did, as it's our reasonable service to serve you, Lord. God, give us the strength, because by our human means we can't do it. We can't live that way. God, I just pray that you can help us to show that mercy and kindness to others as you've shown us that mercy and kindness because we do not deserve salvation we do not deserve to spend all eternity with you because we've not earned it and you say like we don't have to all we have to do is have faith in you in your name and confess with our mouths and we'll be saved our our sins will be taken from us and, and put far away from us when, when that judgment comes so that we'll not be seen and judged by our own deeds in our own righteousness but we'll only be seen for you and your righteousness that you you gave jesus that that jesus had on the cross for us god i just pray that you can help us to to realize that truth and to help it to change our lives help us to change the way we walk help us to change the way that we speak in this world help us to introduce people to you each and every day through our lives through our walks in jesus name i pray amen